So, let all mortal flesh keep silence. Not exactly an upbeat way to start the service, is it? Uh, Not to mention kind of a strange way to start a hymn where you're by definition not keeping silent. Uh, And yet, it is in fact appropriate uh, when you have as your reading an Old Testament lesson like that from Zephaniah, which begins, be silent before the Lord. And goes on to depict you, a scene you can almost imagine as a, a boss calling an employee on the carpet who begins to offer explanations and excuses. And No! Stop! I don't want to hear it. Be silent. I'm going to chew you out for a while, and then you can say I'm sorry and leave. Be silent before the Lord. For, as he goes on to say, the day of the Lord is coming. And it is a grim, dark day, a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Wow, that is really not upbeat. It echoes... What we heard in our Old Testament last week, though, it's not an isolated uh, text. Remember last week, just last week, we heard from the prophet Amos. Amos chapter 5, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear as though he entered his house, a place of safety, (laughs) and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Again, the prophets pointed to the day of the Lord as a day of darkness, a day very different from the way we described the day of the Lord last week from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul writes, I don't want you to be without, to grieve without hope. Uh, I want you to know the encouragement, the hope of the coming of the Lord who will descend in the clouds with the blast of a trumpet and the cry of an archangel and the dead in Christ will rise from their tombs and then those who are still alive will join them uh, to be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That theme continues into our epistle lesson for today. Uh, from the very next chapter in 1 Thessalonians 5, which again concludes, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Uh, For whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Christ. Well, Amos says, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. So which is it? The difference between these texts is like night and day. Well, it 
reminds me of the old uh, musical Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, I don't know if it, many of you have seen it, but there's a, a scene where there's a, an argument between two of the main characters' friends. And one of them makes his, his case, and the main character, Tevia, says, that's a good point, you're right. Well, the other turns around and makes his case, and Tevia says, that's a good point, you're right. And a third party makes the reasonable observation at that point. They can't both be right, they're saying the opposite things. And Tevia says to him, that's a good point, you're right. Uh, the reality is, is that sometimes opposite things actually can be held in a balance. That both are right from a, a perspective uh, that defines uh, an issue in seemingly contradictory ways that nevertheless uh, actually uh, just fleshes it out in a fuller way. And you can see that in the two different depictions of the day of the Lord. Well, now, you can try and reconcile them in various different ways, uh, which work to some extent. Uh, you can argue that it, uh, they're talking about different days or different people, uh, perhaps. And in some ways, yes, and in, in other ways, no. Uh, the prophets Amos and Zephaniah uh, we're keying in on the immediate destruction of Jerusalem first and foremost. The day of the Lord, as it would be immediately fulfilled for their hearers, was the day when a Babylon marches into town, destroys Jerusalem, and carries uh, the people off into captivity. While Paul is focused very specifically on the last day when Christ returns in glory. Yet at the same time, while there is a bit of a different focus to, in the Old Testament prophets, the destruction of Jerusalem was not unrelated to the destruction of the earth. It's just a foreshadowing, a more immediate uh, uh, manifestation, a more immediate application of the greater final judgment that will ultimately envelop all people. And so while the focus is maybe a little closer up for Amos and Zephaniah, they're looking at the same iceberg, uh, the same bigger reality uh, that Paul is talking about as well. They're, they are also writing to a different kind of audience, though, as well. Uh, that Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians to uh, an enthusiastic church that is eager to follow God and obey him, where the prophets Amos and Zephaniah are preaching to a people who have turned away from God and are following false gods and idols. The kind of uh, confusing parts in Zephaniah about wearing foreign clothes and jumping over thresholds and things like that uh, aren't... Uh, immediately applicable to us because they have to do with the, the worship of pagan idols and practices of uh, superstitious practices and idolatrous practices in that time. Uh, that <coughs> the prophets uh, were uh, preaching to those who had gone astray after false gods and I, into idolatry uh, while uh, Paul was writing to uh, those who uh, had not, 
And so there is a difference there. But again, the difference isn't uh, so cut and dried uh, that you can attribute the difference all to that. Because when we get right down to it, the distinction between those who follow God and those who follow idols isn't always black and white. Although we repent of our idolatry and seek not to be controlled by it, there are times when we follow the the impulses of greed, laziness, anger, lust, and jealousy, just like the world does. There are times when wealth, comfort, fame, or, or revenge motivate us more than our identity as the children of God. And so you can't just take one or the other uh, of these approaches to the Lord's day and say, well, this one applies to me and this one doesn't. And it's no surprise, really, or it shouldn't be, because our perspective on the day of the Lord is really the same as our perspective on the Lord himself. Is the day of the Lord a day of uh, darkness, gloom, anguish, or a day of hope and encouragement? Well, is the Lord one whom we should fear or one whom we should love? Well, again, the answer is yes. The famous uh, verse in Deuteronomy that Jesus in Matthew 22 identified as the first and greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6.5, just one of many places uh, that uh, teaches us that our relationship to God is one of love. And yet, just a few verses later, in Deuteronomy 6.13, Moses says, You shall fear the love your, the Lord your God and worship him and swear by his name. Now, later on in the same chapter, He says, the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival. Again in chapter 8, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. But the real kicker, the real fun one is Deuteronomy 10 verse 12. Where Moses says, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him. To fear the Lord your God and love him. I wonder if this is maybe the specific text that Luther had in mind in his explanation to all of the Ten Commandments in his small catechism. We should fear and love God so that we keep the Ten Commandments. Fear and love. It's not really an either or, as much as they may seem contradictory. And that makes sense when, again, in the, you use the, uh, one of Luther's favorite uh, expressions, The Christian is at the same time saint 
and sinner. As both saint and sinner, we have the old sinful nature and the the new creation born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, born through baptism, who have completely different perspectives and relationship with God. The new creation is motivated out of love for God. Exists as confident of God, of relationship with God as God's children and seeks to obey him purely out of love. And yet at the same time, we have the sinful nature lingering. Again, to use the word of Luther, the old Adam hanging around our neck who doesn't love God and needs the law to be kept in check, to have the the fear of the Lord put in it. We need the fear of the Lord to restrain the old Adam, the sinful nature, uh, to put to death the desires of the sinful nature. Even while the love of God motivates the the new creation, our our proper identity as children of God, uh, to follow him eagerly and spontaneously uh, because of who he is and all he's done for us. When we apply that to the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment, a a grim day and a dark day for every idol and all those who follow them. And if your hope and comfort is only in worldly goods, earthly pleasures, and the praise and honor of men, well, it's not going to be pretty because on that day those things will pass away like smoke. Indeed, are going up in smoke. For those who yearn for holiness and long for nothing but God to fill our hearts, no matter how much of a struggle that may be to maintain, that day is a day of joy and hope. Because the the destruction of idols and idolatry is a, a day of freedom. A day of freedom from temptation and the world, from the, the devil and our sinful nature. It's a day of salvation from the oppression of sin, death, and the power of the devil. It's a day worth looking forward to. Even better, it's a day of fellowship with God and all God's children. That's why Paul, uh, in this uh, follow-up in chapter 5 in 1 Thessalonians, uh, unpacks this idea of darkness and light more fully, uh, reminding them that the the darkness is uh, for sin. And we have not been called to sin and darkness. We've been called to put away the deeds of darkness and to embrace uh, the light of Christ. And that day will be a day when all things are brought to light. 
a day of gloom and destruction for all things that are not of Christ. And as those who are of Christ, we celebrate that. We rejoice uh, that even the, the darkness in us will be done away with so that we can live purely in light with Christ forever. And so that day is a day of judgment, a a day of destruction, and a day of life, a day of hope. It's a day of encouragement uh, that finally uh, God's reign will be manifest and complete in us. And may that peace that is beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we await the day of his glorious return. Amen.